Welcome to Joyfield and Jesus Lad. I'm your host, Tony Daniels, sharing real life stories and practical tools that not only let you know you're not alone, but also help you become the emotional, spiritual ninja warrior you were created to be. We are in a series on resourcing the relational revolution, where you're hearing from different people and organizations that have been fueling value shifts that are helping people rediscover church as healthy heart-to-heart connection. In this episode, John White and I break down some of Luke 10's unique practices, why they're so revolutionary, and how Luke 10 connects and equips Christian leaders and community so that they can facilitate joy-fueled, Jesus-led local communities. Hope you enjoy. Wow. So you mentioned there's something that I don't think I've talked much about on the podcast at all, the 10 to be prayer. Um, And we have months of, of content on this in our training. This is a paradigm shift, you know, coming from a church planting background. I had a master's in urban church planting and 18 years of experience in a, in Uruguay. And when I, it took me a good year at least to make the paradigm shift of what you're, you're proposing with the way you see the 10 to be prayer, the way I now see it too. But um, so I don't know, we could do a whole podcast on it, but in a minute or two, how would you try to explain that so someone could grasp that that paradigm shift? So, of course, we're referring to Luke chapter 10, verse 2, part B. And you have to kind of see the picture to get the full import of it. So Jesus is sending out his 72, and maybe it's 84 because it's 70 plus, plus the others. Maybe it's 84. Maybe it's, so it's, he pairs them up. 42 teams of two men each, um, sends them to every town and village is where, where he's going to go. <clears throat> and, and then he says, the fields are white into harvest, but the laborers are few. I read that for years without it dawning on me. He's got 42 church planting teams, and he says, it's not very many. And which leads to the next question, well, if that's how many do you need? We've got 42 teams. How many do you need? And he doesn't tell you, but it's just more. And the next question is, well, how do you get more? And then he does the therefore. He always asks, what's the therefore, therefore? Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send forth workers um, into the harvest. I just have to stop there, John, because what always got me was the therefore wasn't, so get out there and work until you are burnt out and exhausted. (laughs) Like, it's amazing. That wasn't the therefore, but... But in my Christian experience as a leader, that was the therefore. Therefore, go and get busy, burn yourself out. And in fact, if you're not completely exhausted and sacrificing everything for the call, then you know, you're know you not even spiritual. So there was actually a spirituality around sacrificing it all, being completely burnt out and doing way too much instead of what Jesus told us to do, <laughs> which was come to him, receive from him, receive his vision, receive his images, and then beg him to send out more people <laughs> so that I don't have to overwork myself. Sorry. <laughs> Not bet as a three, you were really good at that too. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, I'm hard. I do more when I'm sleeping actually than most people do when they're working hard. I plan things in my sleep and listen to Jesus while I'm sleeping. <laughs> I believe it. So yeah, you're absolutely right. It's like... <laughs> This is the main, um, it's not the only thing, but it's, it's, we've discovered it's the main thing that we can do to see the expansion of the kingdom. It's simply ask the Lord of the harvest to send these tend to be uh, people out. And, and the remarkable thing, and, you know, when you start doing it, you think, well, how's this going to work? 
But when, when you get your first 10 to be answer, it is so cool because God has already, we would say Jesus has done the heavy lifting and these people are already motivated and ready to go. And so it's like, how hard is this? It's not hard at all. And we've, over the years, we've seen God bring person after person after person after person who is a 10 to be, in fact, I think of you as a 10 to be answer, you know, and, um, and all that God has done through you um, in Luke 10 and through Luke 10, it's beautiful. So yeah, it changes the whole equation. Yeah, definitely. All right. So church of two, what else, what else does Luke 10 bring to this conversation? So I want to go to our mission statement. So we have a vision statement, which is kind of what we hope to see happen out there. So that's the ultimate vision. And we say it, fulfill the Great Commission by seeing a vibrant family of Jesus in easy access of every person on the planet. This is a crazy goal, but that's where we're aiming. How are we going to do that in here? What do we have to do? That's our mission statement. And it's two verbs, connect and equip spiritual mothers and fathers. So if church is really a vibrant family of Jesus, the critical component is having mature, godly mothers and fathers who can facilitate the churches. And so that's really the focal point of Luke 10. That's really what we're about is, is equipping those people. I, I do want to use, um, just make a statement that some people might have a hard time with that language. Uh, yeah. Seeing church as family might be very hard because maybe they're a part of an abusive family. Maybe they were part of a cult. Um, and so that could be hard. And seeing spiritual leaders as moms and dads could be really hard too, because maybe their parents were abusive, or maybe they were in a church that tried to parent you in a bad way, right? Like they wanted to keep you children and not, you know, not let you think for yourself. And they told you what to do as bad parents might. So I just want to make space for that, that that could be a, a you know, a stumbling block for some people in our language. Um, and, um, and we like to say family in the best sense of the word, the God designed sense of the word family, like father, son, and Holy spirit, our family. <laughs> so if we kind of recalibrate what family was meant to be and what it is in the Trinity itself, then I think we have a better image of what we're talking about with spiritual moms and dads and with family. Um, but yeah, that, that was even hard for me sometimes when I came into Luke 10 at the beginning. It's a, it's a great qualification. And like you say, if we add in the best sense of the word, what I've found if I'm doing teaching and I, you know, have a whole bunch of people out there and I ask them to describe, you know, we do family or mothers and fathers in the best, even people that come from difficult backgrounds know intuitively what a really healthy family is like. They, it might not have been the one they grew up in, but they, they intuitively know what that's going to look like or spiritual father, spiritual mother. But that's that's an important distinction. Yeah. So and, that's and I also different. feel like I, I didn't even grasp it until I raised my first teenager um, either, because, you know, your parent, your parenting is very different at each stage of their life. But until you've parented through the whole into adulthood, you don't even know all the other stages yet. So it's even hard to understand what a spiritual, a, a real healthy adult adult spiritual parent would look like because you only know what it looks like to parent a younger child and you're thinking i'm not going to be a spiritual parent to someone who's an adult because that means telling them what not to do or telling them what to do <laughs> it's like so i we, we definitely are our niche or our 
target audience, so to speak, that uh, that seems to connect with us most are people who are over 45, 50 years old. And they are people in who are in eldering stages of life now and who who have, have also have experienced that doing church the way they've done it their whole life just isn't working to produce the results that they were hoping to get their whole life. And so they really are searching for something else, a different way of being church that reproduces these relational skills naturally, virally. Um, and so they're already primed and ready for this type of training. Yeah, you're right. So again, two verbs, connect and equip. Let me talk about the, the connect a little bit. This is, we, we all need a community um to learn these things and over and over again people will talk about luke 10 as being a place one one uh, lady said at one of our conferences it was like swimming in a sea of elders and i, I think we need that and so luke 10 is i think providing what is a what does a mature community look like whether it's in a small group um a leader team a conference different kinds of expressions of that but the the connecting part is also critical to what I think we we can provide people. So true, because, you know, we can't reproduce or produce something we've never experienced. So I can't even have a mature community here in my home or with my neighbors if I've never experienced mature community before. So, yes, Luke 10 gives me those eldering those eldering components that I need to continue maturing. And then it helps me feel even what it's like to be an elder in my local setting. Beautiful. So I'll go on from that. So that's an experiential thing, the community. So more on the left brain side of things, one of the things we provide in leader teams are what we call leader team lessons. So every month we've, I think we've developed what, 24? More. more than that? Yeah, we, we need to stop, but yeah. <laughs> we think of really fun things we want to teach. So every month uh, we send out to all the leader teams a leader team lesson. And each leader team gets to decide, and it's up to them what they feel like the Lord wants them to focus on. But these leader team lessons, we describe them as um, uh, habits of highly effective spiritual leaders. And so maybe we could just tick off some of the some of the subjects that we that we deal with. Um, yeah, mainly three areas. And one is the tend to be prayer. How do we do that? What is that about? Because it is such a different paradigm for for everyone who comes to us. And so we we spend a lot of time on that. Um, and then relational skill training. So um, we train in joy, we train in quiet, we train in um, all kinds of relational skills uh, come through those communication, how to fight well. <laughs> um, and then the other one is facilitation skills. So as you're in, in leader teams are also called communities of practice. So it doesn't mean that you're leading Luke 10 things. It doesn't mean that you have to put Luke 10 on your, you know, your house or anything like that. It just means that you're, you belong to a, a community that practices together, that's committed to practicing these skills together. Um, and so we do cover facilitation skills because that is one of our big, unique contributions that I'm sure we'll get to next um, is training facilitators. So the, how do you facilitate this relational revolution Lots of podcasts on that already um, released, um, but that is a unique thing that Luke 10 offers um, that we'll talk more about when we get there. So, so just to flesh out part of what you're saying, you mentioned the sort of the three like general categories of lessons, and in each category, there are multiple lessons. 
right? Yeah. So there's several in like each 10 one. lessons in each one. Mm -hmm. yeah. So uh, let's go to facilitator because I think you're right. I think that's one of the unique things that uh, that Luke 10 offers. What? Yeah. The word <laughs> facilitator, what does that mean to you, Tony Daniels? It means to make easy, to right. make it easy to connect heart to heart with each other and to connect heart to heart together with God. So hopefully a facilitator makes that, makes it easy to do that. Um, they're also spiritual leaders. We could also call them spiritual moms and dads because we believe that in the best sense of the word, uh, a spiritual leader or mom and dad is a facilitator uh, helping it become easy to connect heart to heart with each other and connect heart to heart with Jesus or with God together. Um, so we, what we have, what we encountered was that most people coming through church 101 and then going into our communities of practice, uh, while they loved their community of practice, they still didn't feel confident actually being church this way in their own home or in their own business or in their own institutional church. If they were an institutional church or their house church, if they had a, if they were leading a house church, they just didn't feel like they had the relational skills still to be able to do that. Um, and then we had people coming to us who literally trained in relational skills, like they were relational skill facilitators. And when we watched them facilitate, they weren't actually doing it in a way that was congruent with all of the values that they espoused. Oh, no, wait a minute. You just said something that's really critical there. We watched them facilitate. I think that's one of the things we offer. Talk about that. So in our training, it is a discovery learning process and it is a mentoring or apprenticeship process, which I never found growing up in all of my training in my, my wonderful institutional church that I belong to or my seminary education or my internship on the mission field. I never was observed when I was preaching or teaching or training and debriefed in a way that actually helped me get better at my skill or my craft. And um, so we have developed a process where people observe someone facilitating. They then facilitate, well, they debrief what they have observed, uh, which is this discovery process. And then they go and facilitate and record it and we get to watch it together. And then we debrief how they felt about their facilitation, what good things they did to help create the space they created, what things they might do differently. And we call out the unique ways Jesus shows up in them as a facilitator, which is super fun because no one's ever had that done either. Usually they've never had the, the image of God deduced out of them. So we get the privilege of doing that with our people in training who are training as facilitators. I totally agree. I, I mean, four years of Fuller Seminary, Nobody ever did that, right? To watch me do something and then not just critique me, like, oh, you did this wrong, whatever. But here are the things you did well. Here's what I see in you. Here's, here's where um, I see Jesus in you. And then also, here's some things that you can work on. And we do that over and over and over again. It, it's the best process I've ever seen for training in some of these skills. Yeah. So we have 65-year-old pastors, Bible teachers, seminary professors who have never had this done. And when they, I mean, they're a little scared to do it because they're so scared they're going to get a negative feedback. But then when they enter into the process, um, it's usually deeply, deeply moving and deeply rewarding for them. And they learn the, the, the kind of the areas where, wow, I didn't realize I was guilting this person, or I didn't realize I got angry at people when they didn't do their homework. I didn't realize I, you know, all these shame-based thinking that still naturally comes up in, in, in different 
different people that we get to pay attention to and listen to Jesus on and move into more joy-filled ways. The other thing we see, don't we, a lot, again, these are from like experienced Christian leaders, right? So they're trying to facilitate and somebody shares a heavy emotion. What, what do they tend to do? <laughs> it, it is so natural for someone to give them advice immediately. Or even I hear a word from God for you and start prophesying over them or uh, just quote scripture to them. Well, you know, the Bible says dot, dot, dot. And um, we were just trained that we needed to add value to someone's life if we were going to be a good Christian. And um, and that can be a very um, abusive, um, actually, way of relating to each other. And so we we have developed a way of responding to heavy emotions, which actually is kind of our signature piece, I think, now um, that most facilitators revel in. And it'll actually be a freebie in our book. So when that comes out, anyone can now have that uh, access to that, uh, how to handle heavy emotions um, and the way we do that in a way that stays joy-filled, Jesus-led, safe, serves uh, the person, but that, but gives them the power back in their life to decide what they want um, and what would be most helpful for them. That is so different from what most Christians leaders know how to do. There's one other thing I'll say about facilitating that I think is pretty unique to what we're doing. We're teaching people how to facilitate a group mm. or how to see a group or how to disciple a group as opposed to discipling individuals. And again, that's a good thing, individuals, but the idea that you can disciple a group so that the group grows stronger as a community, as an entity, and then the group disciples the individuals. Whole different idea from what most of us were taught in yeah. the of disciplement. And it's, I think it's radical for a few reasons. One, it, it means that the facilitator is just one of um, they're there to give and receive. They're there to learn and to to teach just like every other person. So they're not on a pedestal. They don't know more than anyone else. And they're not seen as more holy than anyone else or more closer to God than anyone else. So it it encourages um, this camaraderie and, and this ability to share your heart with other people and let them see you. Whereas in the past, Christian leaders were, you know, they hid themselves from everyone. Uh, you weren't allowed to see my weakness because maybe it would make you stumble or maybe you would think worse of me and not think that I was such a good Bible teacher if you knew how I treated my husband or wife when I got home, right? So um, that that dichotomy was so um, harmful. Um, and so that's one element that it, that it does is it brings um, healing and wholeness to the leaders as well as to the community because they can give and receive together. The other thing that's so beautiful is that it narcissism proofs yeah. <laughs> the community. Because if you've read Pandora Problem, I know you have, John, but we've spent a lot of time with that book. Um, but for those of you who, who maybe haven't read Pandora Problem, um, Dr. Wilder goes into depth about how the only way to really uh, shore up a community so that it's not breeding narcissism and narcissists is that the whole community mature together and that they have deep connections in a group setting together. Um, and that really, if there is a narcissist among us, it's our, it's, it's not just the narcissist's fault. It's ours because we're not being community in a way that invites them out of that. And so that was a huge piece to all of this two years ago when we were uh, living in these communities of practice, realizing, wow, we, we, we really do have 
this power to to stay healthy because of the way we're discipling each other. Amen. Anything else? I think we've almost hit on everything that is our unique contributions to this revolution. I would say there's one more I don't think we've hit on yet, and that is modeling divine governance. Ah. Do you want to talk about divine governance at all? No. I know Dr. Kent Smith is usually our divine governance man, but we'll have him at the end of this series because we're going to interview him on intentional communities and Eden Center. But and and this is his his main contribution to this revolution. So we don't want to steal his thunder. Um, but just briefly, what yeah. uh, what would you say about in Luke ten at least how this has impacted us? So just given my history, I've been exposed to lots of different ways of decision-making or governance, if you will. Uh, Presbyterian Church, we use Robert's Rules of Order. Um, and if you go to a Presbyterian meeting, that's what you will see functioning. Uh, or we've tried consensus decision-making or, you know, various kinds of things. A lot of mega churches are basically, it's the senior pastor who makes all the decisions. That simplifies everything. So, Divine governance is a sort of uh, adaptation of a secular process called sociocracy. <clears throat> Sometimes it's called consent decision-making. And it's a great balance between everybody having a voice um, and yet uh, it not being chaotic or held up. And so the, the simple idea is, is that anyone can make a proposal and there's a process on how you work through proposals and at some point, you're going to come to what's called a consent round. And we're going to go around and everybody will either give consent to this proposal. And there's also um, ways of, of adapting the proposal. But let's say we've done that. And, 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 and so everybody's going to be able to give consent. And the agreement is that we will consent to this unless we have a paramount objection. And a paramount objection is either we are absolutely convinced that this will fail or it violates some of our basic values. If neither of those things are true, then we say, let's go for it. Even if it may not be my favorite option, you know, right. you come up with something, but it, it, it enhances creativity. It, it creates a context mm -hmm. of experimentation, experimentation, which I love. I just think that's so cool. And we always say, is it good enough for now and safe enough to try? Those are the two main questions. Like I might not like this at all, but if it's good enough for now and safe enough to try, then I won't stand in its way. And perfect. It And it's usually experiments, right? So it's like, okay, let's do this for a month or two months. Like we get to, we get to form that proposal together so that it is good enough for now, safe enough to try. And it's incredible that the forward movement that we have as an organization in our experimentation is off the charts and everyone is going there together, which is another incredible uh, facet that you don't see in churches that I've or organizations that I've ever been a part of. I mean, there's always somebody grumbling, you know, behind the scenes that they didn't like that decision and they weren't happy with that and they didn't get the money they wanted or they didn't. You know, and that just doesn't happen in Luke 10 because you have a chance to grumble <laughs> right there with everyone and shape that proposal if you need to. Um, so every it's just amazing. It cuts down on all that side talk and uh, distrust and it's and we hold each other's hearts as as um, you know, really a piece of God's heart uh, that we listen to together. So really incredible and we get to practice that and live that. Um, and I think we're we're one of 
just one of the few organizations that has adapted this way of governing at this stage at this point in the United States. And so it really is fun to see that I think it's one of our unique contributions to this revolution as we get going, um, that people can come and ask us questions and see what that's like and interview us about it and learn uh, learn just from our experience in it. Well, thank you so much. Anything else, Luke 10 and their unique contribution to the relational revolution. Anything else you want to say? Hmm. I can't think of anything else. I'm sure. You know, it's amazing. You can't think of anything else. That's great. Um, closing round then. What do you take away from our time together today? Um, if you had to say what was most important, we can take a deep breath and think about it. I think for me, whenever I reflect on all this stuff, I and mean, we've just sort of done the fire hose version of it, right? <laughs> and uh, uh, it is when I think back 15 years from where we started, that's just amazing to me. I mean, we, we had nothing to start with except a couple of questions. And as we've just listened to the Lord and paid attention, made lots of mistakes along the way, um, things that are really effective uh, have surfaced and it's it's just been so I'm I just have a sense of awe and wonder at what the Lord has done. Yes. Yeah. I think for me, um, you know, watching because I, I was intimately connected with several other organizations when I found Luke 10 and as I started growing in Luke 10 and to see kind of all of these organizations grow together for me has been really amazing and beautiful and awe inspiring. I just sit back and go, God, what are you doing? Like, this is so crazy. Life model works thrive, Emmanuel, Luke 10. And, and I, I just see God at work doing something. And I'm so excited that we get to be a part of it in our own unique way <laughs> that really fits who I am and fits who you are. <laughs> yep. You know, I, I do have one other thing that just came to mind. I want to share. I think one of the uniquenesses about Luke 10 is that we are taking the relational brain skills. And we're so indebted to Life Model Works and Thrive and, and all the rest. Uh, they have such, such, um, such amazing insights. But what we've chosen to do is to take those things and put them right at the center of church. Yeah. So it's not, it's not like one of 57 other programs that a church is implementing. This is at the core, this is church. This um, this relational attachment with each other and with God, and I I think that's um, I hope that that concept is is literally spreading around the world and really transforming what church is about. Yes, Amen. All right. Well, thank you so much, John, for being on uh, with me. And I hope people go check out Stories of the Revolution because it's worth it for sure. Um, and then in the next weeks to come, we'll hear from other organizations and what their unique contribution is. Thanks so much. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of Joyfield and Jesus Led. Do you need a community that can run with you as you train and seek to grow in this relational revolution? Do you long to feel confident in being church with the communities you're involved in, in a joy-filled and Jesus-led way? Then Luke 10 is your next step. Sign up for an intro call today at lk10.com.